Welcome to Dragon Talk. Oh. Oh. Golf clap today. It is the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Yeah. Woo. I am Greg Tito, and that is Shelly Mazanoble. Hello. Do you How like are it when, you? I, when I put an accent on your name, like you're, like you're Michael Bublé? Sure. I mean, go for it. <laughs> that means you don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> it's whatever. A lot of people try to pronounce it that way, and it makes me feel like you're probably right. But <laughs> that's not how my family has pronounced it. For decades. Through the, through the generations. So, anyway. Well, we are excited uh, for this episode because we get to talk about our book a little bit. Welcome to Dragon Talk. Oh. Coming I out didn't December know you were writing 5th. a book. Yeah. Uh, we wrote it together, in fact. Shelly, you don't remember? <laughs> Did you black it out? All of those late nights of us banging on keyboards. Oh, uh, I know. In separate places and chatting with each other, trying to procrastinate. Just seeing that word count going up as I was like sitting here reading Bravo TV news. I'm like, hmm, Greg's really working hard on that. I can (laughs) (laughs) look at that. Tick, 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 tick. Those words just going up. He's trying to guilt me into writing more (laughs) just by him writing. I don't like it. It was, it actually was quite nice because, as you know, writing is generally something you do alone it is can be very lonely i mean you do have like voices in your head and characters (laughs) in your head but it was nice to know like you were right there too like you were i i knew you were in the same we shared a doc and we were working on our respective sections but and send each other messages you know every now and again about something but it was nice like after everybody goes to bed after the Latest episode of The Real Housewives has been watched. <laughs> I would come sit down at my desk and and you were there. It and was fun. Out. Yeah, yeah, we could read each other's words and and hear each other's voices throughout. It was. It, I think it definitely convinced me that I could actually write a book. So that was that was actually really. I uh, mean, I think you've you've had two under your belt already. I feel like you have already convinced yourself of that, having done this. But I, but yet you, I think I wouldn't have been able to do it without you. Having so a we deadline a and a partner, probably knowing that someone is counting on me to finish this book, is you know that it, it's a good motivator for sure. It is, yeah. That's yeah. deadlines. That's why I made deadlines. I named my production company Deadline Productions because you yes. need you need it. I do anyway to 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 have uh, accountability somehow on getting stuff done. It's true. It's true. Deadlines are absolutely absolutely necessary. So we actually hit our deadlines for Welcome to Dragon Talk. Uh, it's a book all about this podcast as well as Dungeons and & Dragons and the people who play it. Uh, and it is, as we said, coming out December 5th. You can pre-order it now uh, on Amazon at the University of Iowa Press uh, at your local bookseller. We encourage you to do that for sure uh, and pre-order all over town as Shelly is already doing in several bookstops in West Seattle as we speak. What am I doing? You're pre-ordering our book. Oh, I, I am. I think I have it on order at every store. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere. Everyone who could possibly send me a book is going to send me a book. But I, I just, I mean, they have to order it now. So Now they have to order it. And they're like, oh, we're getting all these pre-orders in. Maybe we'll order some extra copies to put on the shelves. Yeah, and you know, a lot of... People are a lot of our local bookstores have a, a section that's like local authors or like we, neighborhood authors. We're so local authors now. We are local authors. It's amazing. They might like put a little card next to our book that's like these weirdos live here in West Seattle too. When you did uh, uh, Confessions of a Part Time Sorceress, did you go into bookstores and just sign books and like leave them? I there? did. I actually did have signings. <laughs> it was like a different world then. And my parents also would go to like. Barnes and Nobles all around upstate New York and find my book and put it on end caps. Oh, that's so Granted, good. this was mostly my dad. I'm like, dad, publishers pay a lot of money for those end caps. Like, you can't just put me next to James Patterson on an end cap. He's but like, he could. Well, like, hell, I can't. I did it. <laughs> See, that's the chaotic good nature that I yes. love about your dad. That's right. Making it happen. Making it um, happen. So, yeah, I'd love to get everybody here listening. We're going to be doing a lot of guest star interviews on other podcasts yes. throughout 
the next coming months. We got a bunch of those coming up, uh, and we can't wait to tout Welcome to Dragon Talk to as many folks as we can. I'm excited also to talk to some of these, well, all of these other podcasts and learn from them and talk to them and get to know other podcasters in our community. So that's going to be good times. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So look forward to that. Pre-order it if you can. Spread the word. And while you're at it, why don't you give a little review to Dragon Talk on your podcast platform of choice, be it Google or Apple or Spotify or Bob's Podcasts app. Network. Yeah. yeah, just give give some stars. Get Let people know about everything that's going on in the world of Dungeons & Dragons and the community around it. Um, and we have got an awesome interview for you today with Jamie Umanzor. Uh, she is a uh, TRPG creator, uh, player. She's got a wonderful story about how she came into Dungeons & Dragons, and we can't wait to share that with you right about now. Let's do it. Let's welcome Jamie Umansor to Dragon Talk! Yay! Yay! So excited. Welcome. Thank you so much. I am so excited and so honored to be here. We are very excited to have you here. Yeah. You are a... uh, uh, Do so much in the Dungeons & Dragons (laughs) realm, but also in... uh, uh, DEI and all that fun stuff. Uh, I don't know I, where do we want to start. Do you want? How about we find out where your D and D journey began? What's your origin story for Dungeons and Dragons? Oh, so that's actually quite a story, but it because right. it also includes a love story. <laughs> oh yeah! Let's so sit back. Uh, let's see. November of two thousand and seventeen, I was first introduced to Dungeons and Dragons. I was in a different relationship at the time, and um, the proposition was made like, hey, Jamie, do you want to learn how to play D&D? I have always wanted to learn how to play D&D. I feel like my life would be different if I'd learned it at an earlier age. I agree. And so, um, so I hosted some people for the weekend, met a friend's brother for the first time, and I was introduced to D&D and Critical Role all in one weekend. And wow. it was like love at first dice roll for, <laughs> for both D&D and Critical Role. And that started a friendship with the DM who, who taught me D&D. The rest of the group didn't wasn't able to stick to it as much, but we kept in contact. And we started even continuing the storyline through text. And... It ended up being this really incredible story that started with my character, didn't know how powerful she was, then the NPC he had, also didn't realize how powerful she was, and I'll never forget this moment. There were moments in the role-playing for our characters where I thought, um, is something happening? No, nothing can be happening. This person wouldn't be interested in me. You know, I'm in a relationship. I'm not, you know, I'm not interested in other relationships. And so we just kept on, but then there were these moments that just like kind of peaked. And, um, one of those those moments, moments, yeah. Yeah. One of those moments in fact was, um, so our characters hadn't seen each other for a while. My character was going on this journey to learn, um, more about, like her strengths, she was, I didn't know at the time, we're not supposed to make like half uh, kind of demigod characters, but <laughs> my now partner allowed me to do it at the time. And so <laughs> her mother was like the, the goddess of the moon and was in fact dying. And so my character was going on this pilgrimage to, to really step into her power and her strength. Well, all of a sudden, crashing through the sky comes these like two creatures, can't tell what they are at first, but they're barreling down. And I, all of a sudden, I notice that it's his NPC. So my character's name was Yusilme and his character's name was Tarek. And he was uh, he was the paladin of Pelor. So mm. daughter of the goddess of the moon, paladin of Pelor. Of the sun. Right, exactly. And so he's fighting this pretty big creature. I don't remember what it was, but they were both winged. He comes crashing to the ground and I'm so happy to see him because I hadn't seen him in in so many months, like 
in real life, but also in, in the, the campaign. So I go running up to him and he puts his, he, his character puts his sword up and says, how do I know you're you? I just spent the last two months and it kind of trailed off and my mind in the back. So we're all, we're texting this and I'm like, oh my gosh, the last two months, like, what have you been doing the last two months with my character? Like kind of a thing. Hmm. And so, um, I was just really into the role-playing and I pushed his sword aside, had my character step in, put my hand on his cheek and say, look into my eyes and you'll know it's me. And so then the next text comes in and he says, Tarek leans in and kisses Isilme. Do you accept? And instantly, without even thinking about it, I was like... Oh my gosh, yes, she totally melts into it because it just it felt like such a natural thing to happen. And and then he didn't respond for a couple of minutes and I started freaking out like, "Oh my gosh, what's happening? Like, is this the wrong thing? Like, is something happening that I don't know?" But then he responds and we just continue the story and it was really beautiful. Uh in the end, the story arc uh ended with that our two characters ascended as the new gods of sun and moon who mm-hmm. would never be united until every eclipse. And that legend has it that, you know, their children became the stars. And so it was this really cosmic story. We're still friends at this point. No idea that anything was going on between us. And we had planned our very first critical role live show, which was the search for Grog. It was, we did a road trip with him and his mom. Uh, We went down there together. That night, it was January uh, 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, And, right, 2019. Yes, it was also the night of the Super Wolf Blood Moon eclipse. Mm. And so we're sitting there. Sun and moon. Oh my gosh, it's all coming together. At this time, my relationship had that I was in had already ended. And so we were sitting there under the eclipse and I love moons. And I was just like, oh my gosh, it's an eclipse. Not thinking anything else. He says something and like my brain registers and I look at him and I said, oh my God, Isilme and Tarek. And we're sitting there staring at this eclipse in front of us. It's like the universe said, here's your sign, people. we're putting you two in each other's paths. And that was the moment that we realized that we, we'd fallen for each other over time. And, um, so sweet. Yeah. He he actually was planning to move to Chicago that weekend because he was out of a place to live and I had room. I had confessed to him recently. The reason why I had agreed to it was because D and D every day. Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, and so so yeah, that was the that was the start of my D and D life. It started with um, three point five, and um, so we had some fun with that. But most of my experience has been with five E, and started creating a world from there. And I kind of never looked back. I D and D's have played such an incredible role in my life the last few years. This is such. I love this story. This is so <laughs> cool. Like thinking about like you and, and this your. Are you, is this your partner that we're talking about? My partner now, yes. It's been just over three and a half years now. Oh, and like just (laughs) the falling for each other, like, like through text, which is sort of romantic, but also (laughs) like through these characters and like D&D does provide you with that space to do some exploration and like a safe area where um, if I my character were to kiss your character, would you accept it? You know, like I, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then to end it or to begin, I guess, begin it all under an actual eclipse. This is it's amazing. It that was magical. That's so great. And, I, yes, and he will tell you he had no clue that all of it was. He was just he will live and die by the dice. It drives me nuts. You know, it was all just the role playing, and but apparently everybody else knew. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. could all see. They could see. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Was everybody was like? Oh yeah, I was she just was waiting there too. for y'all. <laughs> was oh, anyone cool. else on this text thread, or was it just you two? Um, eventually, it was just the two of us because everybody uh-huh. else just got too busy. Like they weren't as heavy into D and D as as we were. 
And so eventually we created our own friend group out here in Chicago that uh, we still play with some of them today. And so, yeah, it was eventually it was just the two of us. And I'm pretty sure I still have the notes somewhere and I'm going to turn it into a story one day. <laughs> I hope you do. Definitely want to keep that. That's very sweet. I'm curious, you said that you always wanted to play D&D, but were, was there anything about it that surprised you or su- about yourself or about the game? Like, I mean, how did you just like dip into role-playing so easily? That's such a great question. So, well, to answer the last question, how did I dip into role-playing so easily? I, I kind of blame my, I think my career in a way because I have, my career has naturally led me down this path of like facilitation and, you know, different types of things. And so I have had to be put in role-playing situations for like, for work and training And, but also I've been a writer since I could pick up something with my hand. And Mm -hmm. so I think the two of those coming together with D&D, it, it opened up a world for me when I thought, because I fell in love with Forgotten Realms novels about like 2001 and I was avidly collecting them for a while. So the thought of playing my, so Isilme was literally inspired by one of my favorite characters by Elaine Cunningham, um, and the idea that I could play the life or what a life like one of my favorite characters would be like was so, that's what got me hooked. Like yeah. I can travel these lands that I've been reading about and I can portray them in a way that is meaningful to me and doesn't have to subscribe to, you know, the history of uh, the different forms of oppression that have historically existed in the D&D world. That's what really took off for me in my heart. That's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's so like cool. the thing with the novels is that that was always so cool for me is like have like a little adventure between your adventures, but also yes. like the idea of like, wait, I can do these things too. I can travel these lands. I can explore this. You could bring those characters into your adventures as NPCs. Like, just, Oh my gosh. Yes. How cool is absolutely. it to interact with, all, with the fantasy world? Mm-hmm. Another thing that was happening at the time that I got really involved in D&D there, there was a lot of trauma happening in my life on a couple of fronts. And so D&D gave me an opportunity to, to see that I can triumph. My partner used to tell me when I would get, you know, this was before when we were still friends and I was, you know, going through these uh, different episodes that all of the characters I have created are, are a part of me. And if mm. they can, if they can defeat the BBE, then I can too. And so there were stretches of time where I would have the artwork that I found to represent my characters visible on my phone to remind me, Jamie, you're a survivor, you're a fighter, just like your favorite characters, you are too. And it really helped me get through some tough times by being able to tap into the courage that my characters, you know, I got to role play with my characters. That's great. I love that. I use that for my daughter sometimes too, because you know it's tough. They're they're nine and eleven, so they go through lots of changes and and challenges, uh, being who they are. And I'm like, but you, you know, you you can slay dragons. You know, you, you have this this uh, innate you know creative tendency in you that uh, you know you you can tap into uh, to overcome all those challenges, even if it's just you know somebody saying something mean at school. Like you know, you can you yes, can really yeah. do that. Especially if it is. That's, right. You know, at that That's age. great that you can give that to your daughter. I'm trying. Definitely. I'm trying. It doesn't always work, but it, it's, it's a nice. And then honestly, she started uh, uh, bouncing that back when she's feeling down. She's like, but I, you know, but I, I've got a lot going on for me. I've got this. I've got this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're using those skills. So See? it can work. Yeah. <laughs> That's what D&D can provide. And we've often heard, like, you know, a lot of people, Jamie, I, I am among them, wish that we found D&D at an earlier age. I mean, I was employed by the publisher when I was forced to play it one day. <laughs> I wish that I was, you know, playing it since I was a child. But mm-hmm. I, there, I do feel like there's, there is a thing also where it finds you when you need it. Mm. You know, yes. it's, and I've heard a lot of people... Like you, you know, sharing like at this time in my life, a lot was happening and D&D, I found D&D and it helped me 
explore this. It helped me do some self-discovery. It gave me a release. It gave me an escape. But it's interesting because like, people always say, I found D&D at this time. And in the back of my mind, I think, or oh, did D&D find you? Like, does it come to you when you mm-hmm. actually do need it? I just, I mean, I, I like the idea of, of it being able to do that. but Under an eclipse with <laughs> yeah. the, the, the right. blood harvest moon. <laughs> right. You had to be ready. You had to be ready to receive all of D&D's gifts. You have to be open <laughs> to, to what the universe is giving you. I, I do believe that the universe works behind the scenes to bring us what we need when we need it. I Absolutely. agree. And you have to be open to it. I always t- tell my son that too. I'm like, you're getting pinged. Like, that's the universe. You have mm-hmm. to be open to receiving that. <laughs> It's telling you what to do. You don't have to stress over this. Just let the universe guide you. <laughs> I love that you use a 21st century <laughs> term. You're like, you're getting a notification uh, from the turn, universe. Quinn, turn your notifications <laughs> off. The universe is t- pinging you all day. <laughs> it's too distracting. <laughs> do not disturb. Will not work on the universe. <laughs> no, mm-hmm, focus But time. D&D will. Yes. <laughs> the other kind of D&D. The other kind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Uh, so I love—I mean, I loved hearing about the mythology of the sun and the moon, and, and yeah. you know, using some Pelor and some moon goddess stuff in there. But you're you're developing uh, another homebrew system that has a lot more to do with other mythological things, right? Yes. Oh my gosh, this has been uh, something in the works for quite a while now. So um, I lived in Hawaii for almost 13 years, and deeply immersed into the local culture, into Hawaiian culture, and was, I'm very honored to have been, you know, taken in by some cultural uh, practitioners, some elders, and, um, and Hawaiian families. And as I learned about the history of Hawaii and how her lands were stolen by the U.S. government, and just generally also the history of colonialism mm. overall, it it inspired me to to come up with this world. Like imagine a world inspired by Hawaiian culture, not just Hawaiian culture though, because in Hawaii, you know, there are multiple cultures that are present, uh, Samoan, Tahitian, and, and other Polynesian cultures. And a lot of that, you get exposed to a lot of that together because the cultures do exist together in Hawaii. And the cultural practitioners that I spent a lot of time with also had very close ties to multiple cultures. And so I started to, to, to look at how can I weave this into D&D to create a world that is not just magical because it's fantastical, but also magical because it is based on indigenous ancestral history. And so um, I... I started off in Faerun, but it's kind of like when, you know, that cataclysm happened and Evermeet kind of disappeared. My my version is that, you know, another um, plane, if you will, kind of exploded into all of this and a set of islands was sucked in and different aspects of the world were sucked in and they were forgotten over time by, you know, the prime material plane because they've been gone for so long. Mm. And these islands exist in this new space and have continued to exist. And it is a combination of different, you know, races that exist there, but all deeply inspired by Hawaiian culture. And so the people live, you know, are are kind of ruled by elders, a gerontocracy. They also live, you know, in harmony and in communion with the land and the air and the ocean. And um, I and I was also careful to make sure that I did receive permission from the elders that took me under their wing that this was okay for me to build and create. Oh. Um, knowing that my Physical bloodlines, well, I don't know if they do or don't, but as far as I know, they don't go back to Hawaii. But being adopted, or as we say in Hawaii, hanaid into the culture, um, I wanted to make sure that this was still okay. And a part of what I also want to do in the future is when I can make something of this, I want to donate back to the people and the organizations that help grow this side of me. It, it, it means so much to me to be able to talk about this because um, one of the other things that has happened along the way is I had the opportunity to bring together a team of people from different parts of the world 
who are all Indigenous, all LGBTQ+, uh, to be able to take them through this story eventually. And I, I wove in common Hawaiian cultural protocols, like certain chants that are commonly done during um, uh, at certain times. Also, um, different elements of spirituality. In fact, the idea of starting to create my own deities just recently came up. My partner and I were talking about it. And so that's mm. that's going to be the next chapter of what I can do. And so eventually, um, so they start off as a group of teenagers going through their rites of passage just before Makahiki season is going to start. And that's like the harvest season and also mm. going into the new lunar year. And eventually you know, depending what's going to happen in the in-between time, we don't know how long it's going to take, but eventually there's going to be a chance to fight the colonizers. And so it's like my way of saying what would have happened if colonization was fought off? How Mm -hmm. would these island nations flourish instead? And what kind of a world can we build if we were to indeed, you know, take intentional steps to fight colonization? That's really cool. I love that. I, 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 and I'm reminded of a, a series of a writer. He's a white writer, so take that for what it is. Uh, but he uh, posited a um, a VR in you know in the decades to come that was indistinguishable from from real life. Like you could enter the system, and the people that were in control of the system, some of them you know did awful things with it, but some of them created um, situations just like you're talking about. Uh, one was like I want to preserve uh, the African Bushmen. Uh, culture because it was you know uh, uh, disappearing and he wanted to preserve it at least in a digital form uh, that way of life and another one was uh, South America if um, horses were uh, in the Americas because that was the one balance of power that Europeans had this control of horses and being able to to uh, uh, you know do the awful colonization things that were there but the tools uh, were available to the indigenous peoples and what would have happened if, uh, you know, there was, you know, a modern Aztec nation, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that idea of what fantasy can do because it can, it can do these, uh, not just thought experiments, but just this, this idea of, of uh, what if, uh, but on a, on a grander scale and it can find your identity so much more enlightening because of that, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yes, that... Wow, that that's I would be really interested in learning more about that because I, in fact, I spent most of today researching um, and writing a blog for Indigenous Peoples Day that's coming up, and um, have gone down the beautiful rabbit hole of writing a thoughtful and intentional land acknowledgement. So all of that Indigenous sovereignty and spirituality has been uh, tends to be top of my mind most often. Yeah, it's interesting, um, mm-hmm. and I again I just love how fantasy can can help, right? It's not, it's not, you know, it's not a cure-all. It's not going to solve all of these problems, but it can help with empathy, uh, which is something yes. that Shelly and I talk about a lot is, is you know, Dungeons and Dragons and, and, and role-playing games in general is one of the few tools out there that can actually teach empathy <laughs> to, to, mm-hmm. to young people and older people. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. oh, absolutely. I think that's one of the most beautiful aspects of it, in fact, is giving people that ability to to practice empathy and because it is a skill. It's not something that just happens naturally. And maybe for some people, you'll be more inclined. But if we don't practice it, it's something that we are going to eventually lose. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, I mean, just also Dungeons and Dragons can have a lot of tropes in the adventures that feel very colonizers uh, a little bit, right? Right. You're going mm-hmm. into these old ruins, taking the treasures and going off with them, right? Which is uh, an idea that sometimes is struggled to go against. So I love this also, this idea of let's let's flip it. Let's make yeah. the heroes, like let's that. embody the people who are, who are uh, you know, trying to preserve their way of life and their, and their treasures. Even if they are in ruins, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Keep them there because it's a part of uh, that heritage and that culture. Absolutely. In fact, when I first had the opportunity to explore bringing my world to life in a public forum, the original team um, that that uh, kind of, well, so I was involved with Awfully Queer Heroes when they were doing podcasts. And this is how, when the idea came up for bringing this world to life. 
And um, they came to me after some time and they learned a little bit more about my world. And they said, you know, Jamie, we don't want to be those white people. I didn't realize because, you know, some of them were in the UK and different areas of the world. I didn't realize I was in fact the only person of color on that particular team. And so um, what I tried to do at first, not even thinking that it would be possible to bring together a team of an indigenous LGBTQ plus people, I started to think about how I could redo some of the scenarios, knowing that the people who would at the time be portraying, you know, playing these indigenous characters were in fact going to be uh, played by white people. I started to think about how can I ensure that this doesn't fall into the classic like white savior complex where now it's a bunch of white people coming in to save the indigenous community that is, you know, being invaded or whatnot. And so, so that was something that I also had to take into account to make sure that even myself, you know, as a person who has been doing DEI work for over 15 years, don't fall to habits and biases that, you know, are, have been a part of us for so long. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I think that's really something that people say when there is um, uh, content that centers uh, the indigenous peoples or something like that. They're always like, well, can I still play it as a white person? And I think, you know, I don't know. What, what is your answer to that? I, I think I know what it is, but I'll, 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 I'll let you answer it. Yeah, you know, that that's such a tough question because... It's great for everyone to get exposure. And at the same time, if you're perpetrating, you know, the white savior complex, um, if you're perpetrating colonialism, that's that's where it then takes away from the message and the spirit. And so, and this is one thing I really have to give credit to the team at the time, that podcast team at the time of Awfully Queer Heroes, they in fact ultimately ended up declining and saying, we just, we can't, as much as we want to be a part of this world and experience it by playing through it, we fully recognize that we will be perpetuating colonialism in some fashion, even though we're just, quote unquote, just role-playing. And so um, I think if you're doing this for yourself and you're not taxing people of color to educate you in the process, you know, that's okay. Go out and grab, you know, Coyote and Crow, grab Sinu Una, read through it, educate and take yourselves through it as long as, again, you're not taxing people of color to do that labor of educating you along the way. Yeah. And I think also listen, right? Like it's not, if it, I mean, I'm, I'm doing it right now by, by being the person talking, but I think it is also very important to uh, let the indigenous people and the, and the, and the people who have been uh, subject to colonialism is like, let them lead. Right. And then you can play and do it perhaps in a private game in order to, to uh, do that, but you don't want to necessarily be the face of it as what, as what they're saying. Yes, absolutely. There is uh, one thing for sure that we don't have enough of is representation of marginalized identities. Yeah. Well, that's what, I mean, that's a lot of what uh, Shelly and I like to do here with Dragon Dog is making sure there are uh, those voices being heard everywhere, uh, and this is really exciting. I really enjoy, and I love the fact that you're doing this for uh, for a charity as well. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yes. Okay. So, well, the charity is is separate. I do apologize for that confusion. And so, um, I don't have a an official like Twitch or podcast home at the moment. And so, my way of staying involved with the community is by getting involved in different charity streams. And I especially mm. like to be involved in charity streams that will support and dismantle whether it's, you know, uh, working toward you know, dismantling white supremacy, cis heteronormativity and whatnot. And so this charity stream that's coming up, uh, which is being organized by Dreamy Ray, is for Casa de Colores. Casa de Colores is a startup nonprofit And um, they do, they're located in El Paso, Texas, and they work with migrant workers who are um, LGBTQ plus and who are more, um, most of them are also transgender and also HIV positive. And so this Mm. charity stream, all the proceeds are going to go toward this startup, this nonprofit just recently incorporated. And so it's a really special time to help with such an important cause, especially with 
the state is the last few years, the state of immigration and especially the peoples who are coming from Central and South America up to to our border towns and seeking refuge here in the U.S. And so, um, yeah, this let's see, it's happening the weekend of October 14th. We'll have three days of different games and shows in honor of this uh, of Casa de Colores and raising money to help support the migrant workers. That's awesome. And are you at the helm of this? Is it you who's who's curating the content? I can't take any credit for this. Um, (laughs) It's yeah, it's all being organized by a great group of people. Uh, Dreamy Ray is is the main person. It's going to be hosted on Gamer Mom Luna's Twitch channel. I'm going to be a player on the Sunday morning game, which will be a 5e game. And so that's how I'm involved. And um, I was just really excited about the opportunity to share here with folks, knowing that this episode is going to air before that charity stream. And so we can get some folks to join us and help support a great cause. I would be so thrilled. Yeah, that sounds like a wonderful cause. Um, And three days of exciting, amazing, original content. Yes. Do you know the character that you're going to be playing? Is there anything you can tell us about who that is? Yeah. So, okay. I still have to decide. And this is what I go through Mm -hmm. every time there's, I probably have over 40 characters in my D&D Beyond account. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And every time it's so hard to make a character because, oh my gosh, but then there's this and then there's that. And so um, I do know that our session is going to have like a cooking focus. And um, so there is, if I bring in one of my favorite characters, um, she was a halfling bard, a homebrew subclass. Uh, I want to say it was like Chef's College. That's what it was, Chef's College mm-hmm. bard. And one of the fun features was uh, called Force Feed. And so Force Feed would allow you to gain advantage or give someone advantage or give you know an enemy disadvantage. Um but my character is such a little sweetheart. She never force fed anyone. She would always ask and they were always cookies, cookies or tacos. <laughs> mm, yes, yes. <laughs> and so if I bring her in, um, she might be the person that will make an appearance on that show. Mm, that sounds fun. Is there like a theme? Oh. Do you have a type of character that you gravitate towards? Are bards your thing? Or um, So I've only played... That might have actually been my only bard, a type of character. Hmm. I will say that I will tend to play the more animated, lively characters. Um, I've played a few paladins, although I will say that the last paladin I played, and this was on the Off the Queer Heroes podcast, I I was not your typical paladin because I was too concerned that my my friends would keep dying. And so I would always save my spells. I would never smite. I would save my spell slots for healing. Oh. Um, but I love playing paladins. The oh, the most fun paladin I ever played was um, a set. We played a centaurs campaign. We were all centaurs. Oh, wow. Ooh, cool. Yeah, that was fun. Um, and then you got to feed the the big bad of that campaign, which was ladders. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, no. <laughs> But funny story about that campaign. So you know how when you have those DMs that will always weave in like moments of suspicion, right? This is what happens when you always weave in moments of suspicion. So uh, my partner was DMing and um, the the party and I, at the time there were two players in this particular uh, session, we decided that the NPC we met was in danger because she was she was taken away. We didn't see her. We were angsty teenagers. And <laughs> apparently everybody told us she's fine. She's just going on to do her ceremony. You know, this is her responsibility. But we were determined to break out of this village and find her and save her. <laughs> that mm. particular character of mine, really angsty, very much looking to like express her sexuality and... But it just so happened this NPC, her name was Jade, was the NP was the was the centaur that stole her heart. And this is the, the <laughs> centaur she wanted to settle down with. And so she had to rescue her future wife. 
Um, well, it turns out because we did that and we also tried to escape, that led to a series of events. And again, my partner will live and die by the dice. <laughs> she was just supposed to go off and live her best life and become the eventual like elder of the tribe or something to that effect. Well, <laughs> because we didn't believe that she was okay, in the end, very tragically, in fact, she ended up getting kidnapped by the BBE. And um, yeah, the love of my poor centaur's life ended up dying. No, she was no. devastated. She no. was devastated. Um, but at the very end, I don't remember exactly what happened. He, I guess he rolled the dice to say, okay, well, is this going to end like really bad or is this going to end like in favor? And so it rolled in, in favor and she kind of came back, but like ascended. And so she wasn't, it wasn't like a terrible death. I think she might've helped us. I don't, <laughs> I'd have to ask him. My, my brain is a little foggy right now, but yeah, it was, oh, I've cried many times in campaigns. That's I get intense. so drawn into it. Yes. Oh. <laughs> It feels... This was your partner who was running the game as, as DM? Yes, yes. Uh, well, good for you for not holding a grudge. I know, right? That would be tough. <laughs> oh, he heard about it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I think if I were him, I would have like maybe faked the die roll. I would have been like, oh, nope, I missed, totally missed. I, yeah, I don't think I, I would have let that happen. <laughs> I, he very rarely ever fudges rolls. Much to my chagrin. Oh my gosh. That you know of. That mm. true, true. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing is that you can't do it all the time and then, you know, pull the punches. Mm -hmm. no. But then that had that great, even though it was awful, what a dramatic moment, yeah. yes. right? Would you have had that experience if, you know, he had pulled the punch nope, there? I definitely would not have. And that is, that is a campaign that will live in infamy in my mind yeah. forever. Oh. Jade. <laughs> <laughs> I love this idea too of you playing paladins. It's such a it's such an interesting um I don't know, I think juxtaposition of of this like, you know, cuz I usually think of paladins as being colonizers to be <laughs> to be frank, right? And so <laughs> the fact that they are uh that that's where you gravitate towards is 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 interesting cuz you're subverting it just in in the choice there. Yeah, and uh you know, I hadn't thought about that in and it makes sense then that when I think about that now, I don't, I haven't played paladins in the typical way. I, it's, mm. it does tend to be, um, granted the last paladin that I played was a trickster paladin, also um, uh, unofficial content. But in the end, what came through for this character was a, a character who really deeply cared about the friends that, uh, the people who came to be her friends because she was so rejected by her own family. And mm. when these people took her in, a bunch of rogues who she was trying to get one over on them, they were trying to get one over on her, but eventually they bonded. And I mean, she just, she fell for them and, and wanted to do everything she could to protect them while still having fun and, you know, playing pranks and whatnot. Um, but yeah, not, I think the only time in fact, that paladin did cast smite was when they um, Jaegered my character for an episode that I couldn't attend. Mm. And so someone else playing the character then mm -hmm. used smite. And mm -hmm. <laughs> You're like, like I would never do that. Slot, no. <laughs> and now I can't heal. Right. But then that begs the question, had, had I smited more, would we need less healing? But I, I feel like we were, we were going down a lot in this campaign. Mm. Yeah, I've I have struggled with healers. I've tried to play a, a cleric once before, and I kind of had the opposite uh, feeling, Jamie, of where like I don't want to just use my turn to heal. Like, I want to do something cool. <laughs> healing so is I'm, cool, Shelley. I know. Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> healing, healing is cool. I know. I've just, I'm a terrible cleric. I just, and I don't like emergency situations. I'm the not. responsibility, yeah. Right. Too much. It was, yeah, it was too much response. Like all these like sick, sad little party members. And I'm like, but I, oh, fine. Heal you, whatever. So. That is not. the thing in gaming though, where you have this healing resource, whether it's spell slots or potions or whatever, where 
you're like, I, but I'm going to save it for when I really need it. Yes, and you, it's you true. At the end of the campaign, or this happens a lot in, in, in uh, computer RPGs too, where you're like, I have 400 healing potions at the end of this. <laughs> Why did I save them? I could have made my this playthrough so much easier if I was yeah. using them. We're all it secretly hoarders. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where I put all of those 400 potions, but they were on my person. <laughs> well, I, I do appreciate it when somebody heals my character, so... I should be returning that favor. It is really nice. Mm-hmm. Somebody's just selflessly giving up a spell slot or a turn to say, like, I'm just going to heal that squishy little wizard over yeah. there. I will say, <laughs> I think all of my characters have had some level of healing. My my other favorite is uh, Druid. Love Druids, mm. the the fantastical magic of being able to wild shape but and be a badass, but also be able to heal. Like That's a great mm-hmm. combination. Yeah, I do yeah, feel all like all of the 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 spells at your fingertips. Yeah, I don't. I mean, granted, this is the first time that we've spoken, but I do feel like I can see why a healer class would appeal to you. Oh, thank you. I take that as a compliment very much. I yes, <laughs> I mean it as a compliment. I think usually people will gravitate towards things that do have some kind of grounds in their reality or they go completely in the opposite direction mm-hmm. and just want to play something that they don't, that doesn't, that feels a little atypical mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I think, I mean, you mentioned how your centaur paladin uh, had, uh, I think Jade, was Jade a, uh, of the same gender? Yes. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, that was a way also to, to make, you know, have representation within the game. Oh, definitely. I will say, I don't know if I've ever played, since I've been playing d I don't think I've ever played a straight character. There's always been some level of queerness. Um, I think my other favorite character was a Fearbolg, and she was very innocent and, and lived alone. You know, the whole tragic backstory happened lost her clan. So she raised herself and nature raised her. Um, And so she never had a chance to explore sexuality. And so when she came, uh, when she found her, she found her party, (laughs) uh, one of the Hmm. other characters who was also my partner's NPC, no, my partner's PC. He was a, he was a player in this campaign. Um, He played... Oh, what was his character? I don't recall, but the topic of um, brothels came up and his character would visit them. We didn't know the real reason he visited them. We made assumptions why he visited them. But my character, her name was Shanta, was like, what's a brothel? And he was like, <laughs> well, it's where you go when you want to give money to to people and people can make money. And I'm like, you can make money at brothels and the other characters like, oh, honey, no, 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 no. Come here. Come here. Let's talk about something else. You don't need to go to the brothel. You don't need to make money that way. <laughs> I feel like you left out a few details, right. but yeah. Factual <laughs> overall. <laughs> I feel like that's what I would do Very if I was cute. DMing for my, for my daughters. And mm-hmm. <laughs> they'd be like, what's a brothel? I'm like, well... <laughs> Yeah, well, in the end, it turned out that, in fact, he wasn't going to solicit services that people typically think of. He he just went for company and comfort and would just be cuddled, essentially. And so that that was a that was a nice surprise because he was such a gruff character. You wouldn't think he was a cuddler. Oh, (laughs) see, you can explore all kinds of things in Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. I'm a cuddler. I like that. Was he? Uh, Was he? uh, That character a a furball too? Because then I I have this image of them being very tall and. No, he. uh, No, he wasn't a furball. What was he? I know his name was Grim. I don't remember what race he was though. Mm -hmm. But we remember his story. Oh, back. I wanted to go back to your homebrew world. Sure. Um, So when you are talking about the kind of what if, like. Let's explore the world from this perspective and then see what happens. Do you know in your mind what happens or is that totally open-ended? Is that dependent upon the player's actions and how the story organically takes shape? 
I would say it's, oh, you're asking me a challenging question. I would say it's a bit of both. Hard-hitting journalism. It is, because (laughs) I haven't written the whole story. There is a, you know, there is a part of it that will unfold. What I can say, for example, though, is like I take a, I have a different spin on dark elves. And so, um, as I mentioned, when, you know, the islands were ripped out of that plane and this new plane of existence was created, it was everything. It was like all the way down to like the bottom of the caverns. And so Mm. everyone who were, who was on those lands at the time got taken with it. And so because these, these islands and this way of life is very, very much in tune with nature, very much indigenous spirituality, and, and also, um, you know, deeply woven into the spirit of Aloha. How Dark Elves play into my world is that, you know, when they came up out of the caverns and the lava tubes to figure out what happened, um, the people that lived, you know, topside wouldn't let them get away with not contributing to this new world and new ecosystem and continue to greet them with kindness and and just just wouldn't let them get away with not being a part of this community and being responsible for the entire, you know, um, ecosystem. And so eventually over time that shifted um, that shifted the dark elves. And so now instead of having a history of dark elves that were inherently evil or bad, it's a it's a world of dark elves that um, have come to live in harmony with with the world and and everybody essentially live together. So it's my way of explaining why racism doesn't exist in in this particular world. And so how this could end, I mean, I'm pretty sure I'd fudge the rules if something happened and the colonizers might be winning. But, (laughs) 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 you know, there's there's always things that can happen along the way that that I wouldn't have to fudge rules that could help. Because I do very much, like we said earlier, I do believe that the universe conspires. And that is also a part of the world. I think it would, ma- it would manifest itself naturally as things happen. Um, yeah, I love that. I love I love mm-hmm. the, uh, the new interpretation of, of of drow and and how it wasn't necessarily uh, innate, but it was learned behavior uh, that can be unlearned. Yes, yes. Yeah, through kindness, which yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I want to go to that island now. Oh. Me too. too. (laughs) (laughs) You will get to. So have you started playing in this world or you're still, this is still something you're working on? So I did start with um, my very first group of friends, actually, that we, um, that I, that we built out here when I first moved to Chicago in 2018, they were the first people to experience my world. And we probably got as far as just like the first sign of colonizers, um, they got to experience, um, I turned Makahiki games or like the, the festival games into D&D encounters. And so we had a blast going through that. Um, now, as far as recording for, for bringing this to, you know, for public enjoyment, unfortunately, I haven't been able to record very many episodes because, you know, so as I mentioned, all of um, my players are Indigenous and LGBTQ+. And by nature of intersectionality, there, you know, there more things happen in our lives because of intersectionality. And so there's first it was, in fact, my life and um, because of the pandemic and different things and how it affected my health. So I had to take a long break. And then when I was finally ready, uh, different members of my team had different things happening in their lives that that needed us to take a break. And. I had to return the same patience and understanding and kindness to them that they did to me. And so that's the space where we're at. We recorded, um, I don't know if this is a thing I call them session, like 0.5s. It's like the prelude to their (laughs) characters and how um, that's a little bit of their backstory exploration and how they got to where the characters will eventually meet. So I do have a couple of these 0.5s already recorded. And um, waiting for now when the team is ready to come back together and start recording so that we can, yeah, we can get this podcast off the ground. 
That's exciting. I think a lot of people would love to hear more about this world that you're creating. Yeah, absolutely. And it just proves that the 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 big bad evil uh, character in every single D and D campaign is scheduling. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> it unites us all. <laughs> There's so many campaigns that just fizzle out just because of like, oh, this came yep. up, or that came up, or yes. you know, oh, I got to be out for a month, and then it just goes away because of uh, you know human human life gets in the way. But yes. soon, so uh, important. There'll be, so are you, in fact, playing D&D every day uh, in Chicago? Is that- oh, yeah. Did it work out that way? <laughs> Did it work out? Unfortunately, not every day, but um, we do have a home campaign that goes bi-weekly, right now being DM'd by my partner. I'm probably going to do a Halloween-themed one for us closer to Halloween. Nice. I'm going to do a short uh, online home game with some friends in a few weeks. At one point, I was probably in like four or five <laughs> Games, I will admit. <laughs> now, now I've cut back. I've cut back. Um, but yeah, yeah. D and D, while not every day, to my dismay, still an active part of our lives. I love that. Do you still send each other very sweet romantic texts? You know, <laughs> in as yourselves and not your characters, or maybe as your characters. That's fun too. We haven't. Well, so as as our characters, we haven't done that in a while. Um, But as ourselves, I will say, you know, because we went from, I was working in a job when we first got together where I was traveling about 60% of the time. So I will say those sweet text messages happened a lot more often then. Then the pandemic hit (laughs) and then it was like, we're together 100% of the time. We need a little space sometimes, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so... But we do we do make time for, you know, we we have dinner intentionally together. We'll watch something together. And we we do try to make sure that we nurture the relationship so that regardless of what's going on between us or individually, that um, and that was probably the best advice we got from a, um, a couples counselor. We did couples counseling just to. Uh, just to do it That's because smart. we could. And she said to treat your relationship like a third entity, like a garden, if you will, that no matter how bad of a day you're having, you need to tend to your garden because if not, your garden's going to die. And mm. so that's, that's our way of trying to keep, you know, yeah. keep an intentionally healthy relationship. It's good advice. The sun and the moon, they do cross paths. Yes. Uh, throughout the day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's been great hearing so much about all of your homebrew worlds and 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 how they all intersect as well as your relationships with with all this it's been really really cool and i can't wait for more people to check out the casa de coloras uh charity stream i probably pronounced that wrong but i tried (laughs) um yeah so uh, yeah give us uh where people can find out more about that as well as where people can find uh you and what uh the projects you're doing yeah thank you so much okay so casa de colores is going to be on um, Gamer Mom Luna's Twitch. So if you go to twitch.tv forward slash Gamer Mom Luna, that's where you will find us. It's going to start on at 6 p.m. Eastern on October 14th and runs through Sunday night on October 16th. There are five games lined up by a great bunch of people. Um, and then let's see. So Dreamy Ray is the person who is organizing this. And so you can find Dreamy Ray on Twitter. As far as myself, you can find me uh, also on Twitter, my Twitter, my new Twitter handle, which will be the permanent one. I promise it won't change again. Mm-hmm. It- <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. You keep changing it. It's all well, right. I've only changed it once, I think. So, um, but it is Gamer Moonchild, Gamer G A, excuse me, G A Y Gamer Moonchild. Um, please connect with me there. I would love to chat. I don't, I'm not as active as I should be, but I would like to get more active. And that's kind of it as far as where you can find me. That's, that's my D and D Twitter account. I will admit that I started a separate D and D Twitter account. (laughs) (laughs) Just for Dungeons and Dragons. That makes sense. I I, I didn't want people to know how nerdy I was, but now I don't care. (laughs) 
Oh, I yeah, it's like all over your bio, everywhere. Yeah. You're like, I love this, I love this, I love this, and I love Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. So there. It's now a staple. Sing Wonder. it from the rooftop. I love it. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, it's been awesome, Jamie. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I, I can't wait to hear more about uh, this homebrew world and all the other fun stuff. Thank you I so know. much. It has been such an honor to be here. Thank you for for sharing the space with me, letting me share my stories, and I also look forward to what may come. What a wonderful conversation. That blew by so fast. I am surprised by the time I heard uh, we were wrapping up and I thought, what? Why the early wrap up? Oh, it's been an hour, but wow, such good stories. Jamie is a delight. Just absolute. A wonderful human. Very happy to learn more about the work she's doing. Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. I want to uh, turn all of those tropes on their heads and uh, all the homebrew games that I've been doing has been trying to to go against some of those things. So it's it's really uh, great to see and I want to I see more of it out there in the world. Looking forward yeah. to it. As Me well too. All of the awesome charity work that she's doing. Hope you check out the Casa de Colores. Colores nice. charity stream. Nice. I'm trying to remember my my trilling of my R's uh, from um, Spanish class. My daughters can't do that, you know, and they're constantly being like, "Dad, can you do the R thing?" And I'm like, Arr. "Is that a a genetic thing too?" It like might rolling be rolling your tongue. Yeah, I think it just takes practice. Mm. Um, so they've got. To, that's why I keep telling them, "You got to practice your well, <laughs> perrito." That's they need to a puppy. Yeah. That's what perrito is 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 puppy in Spanish. There you go. Well, that's what puppy my dog's name would be. Yeah, probably. Parrito. Anyway, you could I, adopt a parrito <laughs> if you would be interested in the foster parrito I have sitting right behind me right that's now. That's right. Everybody convince Greg that he actually does like dogs. The Tito family <sighs> needs a dog. You guys need a dog. I'm much more into cats than dogs. But you're allergic to them. I am, in fact. But there are... You know, oh. hypoallergenic, hairless cats out there. I know. Kate I just, Welch just keeps trying to convince I us to get just don't not know one, if, but two hairless cats. Did you ever see, like, chicken in the grocery store, and it's, like, under its tight little shrink wrap yeah. plastic? Yeah. It's kind of like a hairless cat. And then you just want to snuggle up to it. And I don't know. That I, I thought the same thing, too, but they actually are quite... Um, Cuddly, yeah, and their 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 skin is a lot like um, uh, like a like a a soft uh, fur rather than it being like bald. It's not it's not like completely bald. Like, it's like, like a, just skin. No, like um, it's like a soft furriness, like um, like a a kiwi or a peach. Okay, all right. Well, yeah. Anyway. So I don't know. We're thinking about it. Who knows? I don't know. Animals if we're do are or not. great. Animals in general are great, which is why druids are awesome. Uh, as Jamie said, uh, what's better than being able to turn into such an amazing creature? Just already being an amazing creature. Right. Like you, Greg. Oh, or like you, <laughs> drunk you two shoes. Oh. We'll get to that soon. Uh, if you want to find out everything that's going on in the world of Dungeons and Dragons, go to dndbeyond.com or dungeonsanddragons.com. Uh, follow them on the socials if you don't already. If you want to find out about me, I'm at Greg Tito on Twitter, Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. I have uh, putting the finishing touches on the cut for my short film, Ex Husband. That's going to be ready to go in a couple weeks or so, which is really exciting. Hopefully we get into some festivals and I can tell you about that. Uh, and, uh, of course, our book, Welcome to Dragon Talk, coming out December 5th. Yeah. Uh, you can follow me at Shelly Moo on Twitter and Instagram. And if you do follow me, I would love for your advice on starting a D&D club at an elementary school and actually mm. teaching fourth and fifth graders how to play. Is this a terrible idea? I don't think so. But I have no idea what I'm doing. It's starting in the winter, and I need all the help that I can get. So please send me your your tips and your good vibes. Awesome. We're here to help wherever you need it, whether you need miniatures or dice or uh, some encouraging words. All of the above. Yes. Not vicious mockery. We will not be casting vicious mockery on you. I do not want that. <laughs> I will not. Except, so apparently there was... 
a PTA meeting earlier this week. I did not attend, but my friend mm. did. And she was like, they just shouted out your D&D club. They like made a point of saying, hey, this winter. This winter. A, we have a parent who volunteered to run a D&D club. <gasps> so wow. now it's like really out there. It's like a PTA a fish. <laughs> it's the, now it's the universe. I it's have. real now. It's real. It's circling, circling, cir- what? Circulate? I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> it's it's just on. like Jamie said. You put it out into the universe uh, several times on this podcast, and then it finally became true. You put it out to the school principal, and the, as it turns out, she's the universe because she said yes. <laughs> she said yes. <laughs> Amazing. Oh. All right. Well, Junkie Two Shoes is uh, following... The footsteps of some gentlemen who are heading to the Radiant Citadel, and you make your way inside there. Oh, yeah. Hold the elevator. a uh, a, a large room. It kind of feels like the um, uh, entrance hall to a government building that you might see here in our world. Really? Um, But it's all carved out of the crystal of this amethyst uh, pillar that goes up into the sky. Uh, so you enter inside, and there's some, you know, dignitaries just kind of uh, milling about. You see a few um, uh, guards and uh, um, people writing notes and uh, taking messages uh, to and from various places. You see other doorways that go into various offices, as well as a reception desk, kind of in the the center of the room, in which uh, several creatures are there uh, conversing with people and giving out information. The folks you are following uh, walk right in, and they uh, go towards uh, one of the doors on your left. Me too. Okay. Uh, They pass. There's a guard in front of uh, that doorway, uh, and those three go through. um, But then the guard, uh, as you're about to go through, kind of steps and says, "Can I help you?" Hi. Just going with them. You are with the speakers. Yes. They don't appear to be waiting for you. And he, he, he turned, oh, I don't and need them to have, wait for They've me. turned a hallway and have you know, yeah. continued on. No, it's cool. I mean, they don't need to wait for me. I'm very independent. Yeah. I Can I use Minor Illusion and cast something that says, Speaker, <laughs> like a badge? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay. Uh, and then roll me a deception check. I'm going to say I'm going to give you that with advantage since oh. you uh, <laughs> had a Minor Illusion there that says... Uh, is it like a hi? My name is Speaker. Uh, yeah. Sticker. <laughs> I got a nineteen. You got a nineteen. Uh, all right. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to roll low on that one. Sorry. Uh, okay. He I would have if you didn't give me advantage. Interesting. Uh, all right. Well, it says Speaker, so that means you must be. Uh, did you? Uh, has there been? Uh, well, okay. Oh goodness! Look at the time. Can we continue this conversation after? I don't want to be late. He looks kind of confused, um, but he does allow you to pass. uh, And, um, but then he kind of he kind of goes ah, and he's trying to Uh, good day, sir. He's trying to get the attention of one of the other guards in the main hallway. I got to get into hair and makeup. Goodbye. (laughs) Hair and makeup. Does it? Do you know? Have you seen oh, a new speaker? It looks like a like kind of a walking cat. Oh. Yeah. Uh, all right. So then you follow along, and there there's several uh, hall. Uh, it's a longer hallway here, and there's lots of doors on either side, um, and uh, it's empty right now. And Everything. We will pick it up next time. Oh. What you might see behind these doors. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> 